Well, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. How many had a good day today? Anybody have a bad day? Ricky, you had a bad day? Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, Ricky. Tomorrow will be better. Anybody have just a so-so day? A couple of so-so, three so-so days. Okay, well, hopefully tomorrow will be better for all of you. Well, it is Valentine's Day. Hey, I think I see some new faces here. I think maybe I might have some from Landon's class. How many of you are here from Landon's class? Anybody in here from Landon's class? He's sick, so he couldn't come. Sean is teaching another class, so he couldn't fill in for him. So I don't know where they are. Maybe they found out he wasn't going to be here and just didn't show up. But anyway, hey, we got some uh, new faces in here, so glad to see you. Ricky, make sure everyone gets a a handout, please, a fill-in-the-blank outline. And uh, off we go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share uh, your word and principles of your word. Thank you that your word uh, doesn't just uh, tell us how to get to heaven, but it also uh, helps us live overcoming lives and helps very in all the practical aspects and areas of our life. What a blessing your word is. Help us, Lord, not only to listen, but also to heed and put in practice what we receive tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you're new to the class, uh, the title of this class is Love Your Marriage. Love Your Marriage. So uh, we've been talking about, first of all, we begin talking about uh, a man's greatest need or the husband's greatest need and also the wife's or the woman's greatest need. Doesn't mean that's all their needs. There are many needs. In fact, we're going to have a lesson titled, entitled His Needs, Her Needs, and that's one of my favorite, favorite uh, lessons because it's so practical and it just helps incredibly, incredibly. Uh, you know, if we just know a little bit more about each other, and uh, if uh, men knew a little more about women and women knew a little more about men, uh, we might understand why we all act so weird. Uh, it's not really weird at all. It's normal for you as a man, the way you are acting, uh, but to her, you're a little weird because she'll understand because that's not the way she feels or the way she sees things or the way things are for her and vice versa. So, so the more that we can learn about the difference between, and then there's another lesson I love, and it's the basic characteristical differences between men and women. We'll teach on that too before we're done. So uh, stay with me for eight full weeks, will you? I think this is about lesson four, so we'll be about halfway done. And I think some of the best material is just around the corner, so stay with me if you would. Well, how many did your homework? Did your homework? Husbands, have you been loving your wives? That's your homework. Uh, wives, have you been respecting your husbands? Because, let me reiterate again, a wife's number one need from her husband is love. A husband's number one need from his wife is respect. Now, for the past two weeks, we've been talking about how a husband can show genuine love to his wife. And the wives have been cheering me on. Because I've been, I've, I've uh, poured it on the husbands pretty thick. 
uh, trying to help them understand how they can better show their love to their wives. Well, tonight, we're going to turn, we're going to flip the coin, okay? So tonight, we're going to talk to the ladies about how to meet their husband's number one need. So, fellows, if I do good tonight, if I do good tonight, give me some kind of sign that I'm on the right track and I'm doing good uh, show me some enthusiasm, maybe throw in an amen or two, you know, uh, give me a thumbs up or something so I'll know I'm on the right track and I'm helping us fellas out a little bit, even as I've tried to help the ladies out the last two Wednesday nights. Well, before we get started down this trail, let me first reiterate a couple of things. I need to say some things over and over and over so that you'll get them. You don't get things the first time. But if we continue to hammer at it, keep talking about it, and keep bringing it up, then eventually it kind of gets in and we get a little bit, of, a little handle on it and it stays with us. So, so let, me, uh, let me reiterate. First of all, one size doesn't fit all. Uh, there are exceptions to every rule. When I say what the husband or the wife's number one need is, this is generally speaking, we're talking about average across the board for most people. Uh, generally speaking, there are exceptions. There are exceptions. But even if this is not your number one need, there's just you're just really weird if it's not at the very top. All right, okay, let me just put you in the weird category because I'm telling you across the board, if it's not number one, it's number two or number three, it's very, very high uh, on, on the list. So uh, still very significant and a very viable need. So uh, listen up. The second thing I'd like to reiterate that I've said, and that is the problem is we don't understand that our number one need is not necessarily our spouse's number one need. In fact, it's not. It's not. Uh, her number one need is not necessarily our number one need, and it, absolutely it's, it's not. And here's the problem. That is we tend to do for our spouse what we want them to do for us. And uh, thinking that since this is what we need, then surely that's what they need. And, and then we get all upset because here we are putting in all of this effort. And we're getting nothing in return. And they're showing no signs of appreciation. Nothing is changing. It's not helping the matter. Well, the fact is they don't appreciate it because this is not meeting their need. It's your need, not their need. So we need to understand how to meet their need. Amen? And for most people, again, the number one need of a wife is love. The number one need of a husband is respect. And then the third thing I want to reiterate is we refuse to give what our spouses need because we feel like they don't deserve it. Um, we say things, and maybe we wouldn't verbalize it, and we wouldn't say it to them, but in our mind, we are saying, and even when I'm teaching this, initially, some people are saying, well, when they earn it, they'll get it. Yeah, when they earn it, they'll get it. Uh, the wife says, I'll give my husband respect when he earns my respect, but I don't respect him. He's not respectable, and I don't respect him, so I ain't giving him respect because he don't deserve it. How can I give him respect when I don't really respect him? The last thing he deserves is my respect. No. 
respectable. The husband says, if my wife, if my wife were more lovable, I'd show her more love. But she's not lovable. And when she becomes more lovable, then I'll start showing her more love. But the problem is, it never happens. What's the solution? Give it unconditionally. Say unconditionally. Unconditionally. Give it unconditionally. When a wife gives her husband unconditional respect, eventually, say eventually. See, that's another problem. Well, I did it once. When a wife gives her husband unconditional respect, consistently, over time, he will start acting respectfully. And when a husband gives his wife unconditional love, consistently, over time, she's going to start acting more lovable. So the question then is, who will make the first move? That's another problem. We're always waiting for the other one to make the first move. Who will make the first move? The answer might be the one who wants change most. The answer might also be the one who's most mature. The answer might be the one who's most secure. Hello? Testing, one, two, three. So let me challenge you. Let me challenge you. Take the high road. I ask you this, this evening, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? On the other hand... You have a whole lot to gain. Have a whole lot to gain. All right, let's get started talking about how a wife can learn to show respect to her husband. Now, just as we made an acrostic to help the husbands learn how to show love to their wives, we will also make an acrostic to help the wives learn how to show respect to their husbands. And let me share a scripture with you ladies. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. Proverbs 14 and 1 says, A wise woman, say a wise woman. A wise woman builds her house. Actually, her home. A wise woman builds her home. But a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you, Wives here tonight, are you building your home? Are you building your home? Or are you tearing it down? Because sometimes, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And sometimes what we thought we were doing to help our marriage is actually hurting our marriage. And what we thought we were doing to build our marriage was actually tearing it down. Here's the problem. We can do the right things not what I was going to say. Here's the problem. We can't do the right things. We can't do the right things if we don't know what the right things are. That makes a little more sense. We can't do the right things if we don't know what the right things are. 
Again, if you will give me eight weeks in this class, I will give you the right materials to help you build your house. Here's another thing. Just because you have a stack of lumber, that in and of itself won't build your house. Somebody has to take the lumber and start using the materials until you unbundle that bundle of two-bys Until you, until you start putting those materials together, stick by stick, brick by brick, shingle by shingle, the materials are not any good just sitting there on the ground. You've got to unbundle them. You have to, you have to get to work, and you have to put them together. And the same way with this class. I've had people come to my marriage class three times. And their marriage ain't no better than it was the first time they went through it. Why? Because I've given them the material, but the material is still sitting on the ground. I had a friend of mine, a pastor, he's in his 90s now, but for years he traveled and did marriage seminars. I get a lot of my material from him, uh, a lot that he put in me. Uh, I don't look at his material. It just comes out because he put it in. Um, and he told me that he went... To this certain church five times did a financial seminar five times he did it he said on the fifth time he said the pastor <laughs> he said the pastor got up and said you know this is really good stuff I think I'm gonna do it this time <laughs> seriously <laughs> seriously <laughs> surely that pastor thank God he's gonna do it but he probably shouldn't have told them <laughs> how dumb he was <laughs> hey it's not enough that you sit in here and get the material. You gotta, you gotta unbundle the material. You gotta put it together. You gotta put it to use. And if you'll put it to use, it'll, it'll, it'll help. It'll work. Amen. The materials that I give you will only be effective if you use them. Only when a man understands how to show love to his wife, only when he does the right things will his wife receive and feel loved by him. Only when a woman. A wife understands how to respect her husband and what language to use that actually speaks respect to him. Only when she understands her man and uses her understanding to show him her respect to him, only then will he be able to receive and feel respect from her. All right, let's get going tonight. The word that, and I brought the book because we're going to read a little bit out of it. And also, if you get mad, you can get mad at this guy because this these last couple of weeks, most of it I've thrown my stuff into, but most of it has come from, from his book. So I'm going to make him take the blame, all right? The word that Dr. Egerich uh, uses in his book, Love and Respect, to make his acrostic uh, with in order to teach wives how to respect their husbands is the word chairs, chairs, C-H-A-I-R-S. So let's get started in this acrostic of the word chairs. And with it, teaching wives how to respect their husband. For the letter C in this acrostic, he uses the word conquest. Conquest. If, if, if a wife is able to show respect to her husband, she's going to have to understand about conquest. Women must learn to understand how God made the male species. 
not only know and understand how God made men, but also appreciate their uniqueness. So if you're going to respect your husband, you're going to have to understand how God made him and also appreciate his uniqueness. Some time ago, my wife and I were with some pastor friends, and I made a statement in the course of our conversation. Later, when it was just me and my wife, my wife said to me, and she repeated what I said while we were together. She repeated it, and she looked at me, and she said, that was so male. And I said, thank you, honey. Thank you. That's a compliment. Thank you. You've just complimented me. You should be glad I'm manly and not a she-male. Wives, if your husband's if your husband doesn't look like you, if he doesn't talk like you, if he doesn't act like you, you should be glad. If he is opposite of you in every way, that's a good thing. That means he's who God made him to be, male, not female. Now, female is awesome unless God made you a male. As the man and the woman learn to understand and then appreciate each other's uniqueness. And that's what we need to under, this is what we need to understand. We need to understand the uniqueness and the differences between us. And understand that it is God's design. And understand that's why, that's why it's so better when the two who are opposites become one. Because those two opposites that attract come together. And together they make an incredible team. That both of the, the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, they have their, their uniqueness, they have their, 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 their strengths, they have their weaknesses, and their strengths usually help the woman's weakness and vice versa. And the weakness the other one is strong in, and, and it makes a good team. God did a pretty good job. Did a pretty good job. All right, let's look at this word conquest uh, to help the wives get a better understanding of their husbands. Dr. Egrich, and I guess that's the way you say his name. I wish they had a little easier name. That's kind of hard for me to say. Egrich, 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 Dr. Emerson Egrich. Doc says. Doc says he chose this word because of the natural, inborn desire of a man to go out and conquer the challenge of his world. See, most men love a challenge. Most men love a challenge. A man has the God-given desire to work, excel, and achieve.
Now, sometimes things happen along the way that take those things from us. And that's another lesson. Okay? That's another lesson. But most men, and especially young men, and initially have within them a God-given desire to work, to excel, to achieve. So if a wife understands and appreciates, say appreciates, if, if a wife understands and appreciates how important her husband's work is to him, she will take a giant step toward communicating respect and honor. Two things that he probably values even more than his wife's love. As hard as that is to embrace. To learn where husbands get this drive to work and achieve, we need to go way back, all the way to the very beginning of man, recorded in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, The Lord God placed the man, the who? The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. To what? To tend and watch over it. See, before Eve was created, God made Adam. And God gave Adam a job. God gave Adam a job. See, somehow we tend to think that before the sin of Adam that he was on easy street. That all he had to do was just sit around in the garden of paradise and eat. And and because Adam sinned, God punished him by putting him to work. No, God gave him work before he sinned. God gave him a job. God made him, formed him, created him, breathed into him the breath of life, and then put him to work. Right? We just read it. God gave him a job. God gave him responsibility. God put him in charge of the Garden of Eden. If he wanted to eat, he first had to work. God gave him everything he would need to become successful, but Adam had to work for it. Before the fall. See, it's a God-given thing. God put that in us. And ladies, you need to understand, God put that in your man. And the fact of the matter is most men are so driven in their work that they can hardly separate who they are from what they do. And most men get their self-esteem, their self-worth from what they do. God created the man to be a doer. He either builds something or he fixes something or he creates something or he maintains something or he manages something. Men are doers. That's what we are or that's who we are as men. 
Think about it. From the time a male is a toddler, he's busy with his hands. He's either building something with blocks or Legos, or he's taking something apart to see how it works. He plays like he's working. Remember when I was a kid? A little kid, and my dad, you know, he did drywall work, but there's a couple of times also my dad uh, owned and operated uh, service stations. Back when you actually had service stations, you know, when they checked your oil and washed your windshield and checked your tires and all of that. And so as a little boy, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, guess, I mean, I played ball forever when I was all my whole life, but when I wasn't playing ball, guess what I was doing? I was playing service station. I, I got one of my dad's red uh, rags. Remember those red rags that the service station attendants used to have? They always had it in their back pocket. Man, I had that, you know. And I had my little uh, uh, plastic deal there to hold your pins, you know. Remember those things we had? And, huh? Still, you got, still got it, you say? <laughs> he plays like he's working. Dennis, Dennis. From childhood, there's something in a male that makes him like adventure, competition, physical activity. Um, I was the baby of the family. There's four kids in our family. Uh, my sister was the oldest. She passed away uh, nearly seven, be seven years ago uh, in May. Uh, I, my oldest brother, he passed away about three months ago. Um, so I had my older sister. I had my oldest brother. And uh, then my other brother, who's just a, a, a year older. In fact, right now we're the same age. I'm the same. Me and my brother are the same age. What's wrong with that picture? <laughs> for 12 days out of the year, me and my brother are the same age. And when I was a kid, I always loved it for those 12 days. I loved those 12 days because if he was 5, I was 5. If he was 12, I was 12. Whatever, uh, the rest of the year, he's 13, I'm 12. I'm 11, he's 12. He, uh, you know, he's 15, I'm just 14. All, but for 12 days, from February 11 to February 23, we're the same age. And I told everybody, we're the same age, you know. Well, I had my birthday Sunday, and I texted my brother, and I said, I don't want to be as old as you are. When I was a kid, I loved it. I don't want to be as old as you are now because you're old, brother. Brother, I don't want to be as old as you are. Anyway, I'm saying all that to say this. Uh, I was only 11 years old when my sister got married. Uh, she got married at 17, and I was six years younger than her, so that made me at 11. Um, so uh, my dad took my two older brothers to work with him on Saturdays and, and in the summertime. And he made me, I'm the baby of the family, I'm the youngest, he made me stay home and help my mother. Now, you know, my sister's already out of the house, you know, and my dad's got two other boys to go work with him. Mom needs some help around the house. Makes sense. It's, you know, it's, I'm over it now. Uh, but I want to tell you, I totally resented it. I totally resented it. And especially of the fact that one, my, one of my brothers that is with my dad working is the same age I am for 12 days. <laughs> and he's out doing construction with my father, and I'm at home helping my mother do housework. 
Well, let me just say there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with housework. I'll tell you that my wife doesn't mind at all that I know how to do housework. And yes, I still do housework. But I wanted to be with my dad. I wanted to be with my two brothers. I wanted to be with the men. I wanted to be building something, not doing dishes and vacuuming the floor and dusting the furniture. Now later, the next year, when actually I turned 14, and that was actually the age when we went to work full-time for my dad in the summer, was age 14, so really he didn't treat me any different than he treated the others. It's just I'm the baby, they're, they're ahead of me, so they're out there with dad, and I'm home with mom. But when I turned 14, then dad put me in the drywall trade and taught me the drywall trade as well. But for a year, I was home with mom while my two older brothers were out working with dad. My point is, my point is, men have a natural desire for conquest, to do something, to do something. Uh, not just to do something, but to do something better than everybody else is doing it. Uh, to make something bigger, take something better, make something more efficient. And the fact of the matter is, by and large, again, remember I've already qualified this statement, Talking averages here, but if a man isn't doing something, he isn't fulfilled. If what he's doing isn't growing somehow, being improved somehow, uh, because of him and through him, he feels like a failure. He feels somehow inadequate. He feels useless. And this is one of the reasons a good percentage of men die soon after they retire, if they don't find something useful to fill up their time, uh, like volunteering or even becoming the grandkids' taxi driver or growing a garden or, or starting a new hobby and developing a, but something that he's doing. And many men who retire return to the workforce after a few months or a year or two. Why? Because this is what we do. This is who we are. We are doers. We doers. We do things. Let me read from, uh, from Doc's book here. Glad I finally got his name right. Thank you, Doc. He writes, he says, How deeply men value their inborn desire to work and achieve. And it's graphically illustrated in two friends of mine who faced the threat of cancer. Both men calmly faced death and accepted what they thought would be their end. Through all the chemotherapy and accompanying problems, their optimism and faith remained strong. In the end, both men survived, but both still suffered terribly from a common foe. One of the men chose to sell his company to allow himself to serve God with whatever time he had left. However, for a period of time after the sale, he found he did not know who he was without his work. He told me, I was never depressed when dealing with cancer and possibly dying, but when I left my work, which was my identity, I went into a depression that was like nothing I had ever experienced before. The other man suffered horribly and was at death's door, but somehow he too recovered. 
He returned to work and life was wonderful. But then he lost his job. He came to see me depressed and defeated. He told me that being out of work was harder than dying. Ironically, both of these men were more deeply affected by losing their careers than they were with facing death due to cancer. He writes, many women have no idea of the importance men put on their work. If a wife even implies unknowingly that her husband's work is not that important, she has just called him a loser. Pretty strong, huh? Pretty, pretty strong. Well, the first question that a man will usually ask another man when they meet is what? Yeah. Oh, what do you do for a living? 9.9 times out of 10. You meet somebody you don't know. A man meets another man he doesn't know. And before it's all over with, the question is asked. And usually there's not another question asked before it. And it is, what do you do? And then we men kind of size up that man by what he does, Right? Huh? Yeah. We make our judgments. We got our little wheels going up here. How does a wife show respect to her husband? By understanding just how important his life work, work is to him. By appreciating his willingness to leave the comforts of home every morning and go make a living for his family. By taking interest in, what he, interest in what he does for a living. By showing him that she is grateful to him for providing a living for their family. By not complaining about what he's not providing. But thanking him for what he is providing. By not comparing him or his salary or his position with her father, her brother, or any other man, or with her. By showing him that she believes in him and in his ability to take care of her and their children. Ladies, your husband will feel your appreciation for his desire to work and achieve when you do these things. Let me read this list that Doc has given to us on page 203. Your husband will feel you love. Can't even read. Your husband will feel you appreciate his desire to work and achieve when, here's the list, when you tell him verbally or in writing that you value his work effort. When you express your faith in him related to his chosen field. 
When you listen to his work stories as closely as you expect him to listen to your accounts of what happened in the family. When you see yourself as his helpmate and counterpart and talk with him about this whenever possible. When you allow him to dream as you did when you were courting And when you don't dishonor or subtly criticize his work in the field to get him to show more love in the family. Well, we're talking tonight about how a wife can learn to make her husband believe and feel that she respects him, which is probably his number one need. You can do this by understanding and valuing your husband's God-given need for conquest, to go out and work and do something and make something happen. All right, let's move on. For the letter H in our acrostic of the word chairs, Doc uses the word hierarchy. H-I-E-R-A-R-C-H-Y. Now, before you ladies boo me or throw something at me, this is his word, okay? I didn't choose the word. He chose the word. But listen and hear this in context. Understand that a man is not better than a woman. A husband is not more important than his wife. But they do have different roles. At least according to the Bible they do. One is not better. One is not more important than the other. But they are different. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, uh, says, wives submit, do what? Wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife. The husband's the what? The what? (laughs) The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. You can get mad at Paul. Don't get mad at me. I just don't shoot the messenger here. Now, the Greek word that translates in English to submit means to rank under. It means to place under. And the connotation here is not in rank of importance, but in rank of responsibility. Not rank of importance, but in rank of responsibility. The husband is to take care of the wife, not the wife take care of the husband. Again, we're talking in generalities here. God has placed in the DNA of a man the desire to take care of his woman. The desire and responsibility to provide for and protect his wife. Wives, be very, very, very careful what you say and how you act toward your husband when he is struggling to provide for you and your family. Go back to Doc's book here on page 209. He says, how to deflate a husband with seven words. The desire to provide for my wife is something God put deep within my soul. 
and every man's soul, for that matter. Admittedly, men are very sensitive to put-downs in this area of providing for the family. Sarah and I had just finished a love and respect conference when a couple came up and told us a story. It seems that they had just built a brand new home, and another couple asked if they could take a tour. The new homeowner said, of course, come on over. Soon they were taking the couple through the beautiful new home, which had every feature imaginable, lovely fixtures, granite countertops. They had spared no expense. Halfway through the tour, as they were coming down the steps from looking at all the upstairs bedrooms and the many adjoining baths, the wife in the visiting couple turned to her husband and said, you need to get a second job. The couple giving the tour of their home were stunned by the woman's remark. They both could see the spirit of the husband sink before their very eyes. The visiting couple left a few minutes later. What is doubly sad about this story is that the wife who made the remark to her husband about needing a second job probably didn't even realize what she had done. She was simply commenting on the grandeur of the home they were touring and never thought that what she was saying would hurt her husband's feelings. But hurt them she did because she just didn't understand her husband or the need to show him respect. It's not a bad rule for a wife to always ask herself, is what I'm about to say or do going to come across to him as respectful or disrespectful? To contrast this, he writes, there are many ways to show your husband respect. Just look for ways to appreciate his desire to protect and provide, especially when things aren't going too well for him. Dr. E.V. Hill, a dynamic minister who served as senior pastor of Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, lost his wife, Jane, to cancer a few years ago. At her funeral, Dr. Hill described some of the ways she had made him a better man. As a struggling young preacher, E.V. Hill had trouble earning a living. E.V. Hill came home one night and found the house dark. When he opened the door, he saw that Jane had prepared a candlelight dinner for two. He thought that was a great idea and went into the bathroom to wash his hands. He tried unsuccessfully to turn on the light. When he felt his way into the bedroom and flipped on another switch, darkness prevailed. The young pastor went back to the dining room and asked Jane why the electricity was off. She began to cry. You work so hard and you are trying so hard, said Jane, but it's pretty rough. I didn't have enough money to pay the light bill. I didn't want you to know about it, so I thought we would just eat by candlelight. Dr. Hill described his wife's words with intense emotion. She could have said, I've never been in this situation before. I was reared in the home of Dr. Carruthers, and we never had our lights turned off. She could have broken my spirit. She could have ruined me. She could have demoralized me. But instead, she said, somehow or other, we'll get these lights back on. But tonight, let's eat 
by candlelight. This poignant story is a case study on how a wife should appreciate her husband's desire to protect and provide. It is likely Mrs. Hill didn't have a complete definition of biblical hierarchy in mind when, when she lit those candles, but she instinctively knew how to support her husband and appreciate his desire to protect and provide. As Dr. Hill admitted, she could have broken his spirit with words of criticism or sarcasm. Men see themselves as over their families. This is why a husband is extra sensitive during conflicts when he hears what sounds like put-downs. The pink wife may not see herself as putting down her husband during a heated discussion over finances. She is only letting him know how she feels so he can respond with love and understanding. However, because her blue husband has a hierarchical mindset, her comments sound belittling to him. Mark it down. Men are more vulnerable to criticism when it re is related to headship issues. Well, Proverbs 25 and 11 says, The right word at the right time is like golden apples in a silver basket. As a pastor, some, is good, some things are good, some things are bad. One of the good things is every Sunday, people come up to me after church and say nice things. Every Sunday. That sermon really, really, spoke, well, really spoke to me today, Pastor. Pastor, do you have my house bugged? I hear that often. Because you said some things today that you couldn't possibly have known unless you had my house bugged. No, I don't, but the Holy Spirit is bugging your house. Pastor, that was such a wonderful sermon today. I hear that every Sunday. Now I hear other things too. And see other things on Facebook that are nice little jabs. But that's all right, it's the other part of it. My love language is words of affirmation. So these people are speaking my love language. They're filling my love tank. But guess what? As much as these words are sweet music to my ears, as much as I love, as much as I appreciate these kind words, guess who I'm always waiting on? My wife. If 50 people tell me I did a great job and my wife doesn't, I'm a little bummed. If my wife tells me, honey, you did a great job today and I'm so proud of you and not one single person said one positive thing, I still feel like a king. Ladies, do you know how much your approval, do you know how much your words of affirmation mean to your husband? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know how bad? Well, just think about it this way. 
You know how bad you want to hear your husband say the words, I love you, to you? This is how bad he wants you to tell him, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you do. Proud of who you are. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for taking care of our family. I feel safe with you. I feel secure with you. The next time that you give your hubby a card, like on Valentine's Day, instead of telling him how much you love him, because that's what you want to hear, how much he loves you. Instead of telling him how much you love him, tell him how proud of him you are. Tell him how much you respect him. You want to hear I love you. He wants to hear I'm proud of you. He wants to hear I respect you. He wants to hear thank you for providing and protecting our family. How am I doing, fellows? Next week, we will finish this acrostic as the wives learn how to show respect to their husbands. Now, if, you, if this is your first night, ladies, I picked on the men for two weeks. So it's your turn now, okay? Father, thank you again for the practical teaching of your word. I just pray that you'll help us again, Lord. Help us, Lord, not just be hearers, but help us be doers. Help us put in practice. Thank you for the materials that we are receiving, Lord, to help us build our house, build our home. But God, those materials are no good just laying dormant. We must put those things together. We must put them into action. We must use those materials to build our home, to build our house. Help us to do it. Help us to do it consistently. And Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you will help us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will... You will convict us when we say things we should not say. And you will help us to have the courage to say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that, I was just in the heat of the moment. Help us learn more about each other so we can have a more fulfilling marriage and life. All in Jesus' name I pray, amen.